0: Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons.
1: Hello and welcome into another edition of American Hammers Radio. I am your host, Tex, joined as always by the dulcet, lovely tones of Liam Bright. Liam, how are you this evening?
0: Oh, Tex, I am absolutely fantastic. I'm excited to get things underway because we've got a big game coming up.
1: It's a massive game, and I want to say, god dang, is this season two, episode five already? I swear, I feel like we've been Uh, doing this for a year.
0: It it sure is, and I would like to just, uh, I'd like to say that although we were initially planning on this episode coming out last week, uh, West Ham can't get the uh, transfers or medicals done in time, so we had to waylay until we could get some semblance of confirmation, but we'll see what happens. And we still don't have
1: that confirmation, <laughs> which is even funnier because in true West Ham fashion, we are waiting all the way up to the 11th hour of the final day, which is tomorrow. Because I even called you I was like, "Uh, well, what's going on with this transfer thing? I thought the transfer window had closed. Didn't realize that due to COVID, there is now this um, local transfer window that's still open for people people from lower tiers to move up, which I thought was absolutely awesome for West Ham considering we could go sign guys that are gonna fill us with hope and never actually pan out.
0: Yeah, because that's that's usually the way that things go for us is that we 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 put our we put our hats on, we're ready to rock and roll, then all of a sudden the wind comes and blows us down. So
1: well, it, it, in light of this transfer, before we get into it, we did have a, a match to talk about, and a couple of weeks ago, West Ham United took on an in-form Leicester City. Who believe it or not, how many goals they drop on Man City was it five?
0: Oh man, was that the five five two? And I think they had like three penalty shouts for that one.
1: Yeah, so they there were in form. Jamie Vardy was looking like the Jamie Vardy of the the team that won the league. It was uh, a situation for West Ham United where, yes, we were coming off a nice win, 4-0 over Wolves, a team we had never even scored, I think, two goals against. And we finally found a way to get past Wolves, and thank God, because Nuno cannot dress correctly, and I cannot stand (laughs) losing to a manager who won't even look the part so West Ham find that win. Obviously, we're filled with hope. We get up there against Leicester, and in the 14th minute, Mikel Antonio scores a goal. And, yeah. And, and we're kind of going, and me and all, like the Fresno Irons, we watched that game. It was 4.30 a.m. here um, in my lovely apartment, which only houses about six people. <laughs> and so there's three of us here watching the match, and I will never forget, in the 38th minute, the man who I shit on all the time, Pablo Fornells, he scores a goal. And I'm going, are are we really up 2-0? We're all sitting here. We we, (laughs) In in true West Ham fashion, we weren't able to complain, Liam. So we kind of were lost on how to react to a 2-0 lead at half. And then the game was dominated by us in the second half. And then the 83rd minute, Jared Bowen put it away. We're up 3-0. So two games, seven goals, none conceded. West Ham United, six points against two teams a lot of people thought we wouldn't get any points against. Our only thought we would get points in this early stretch was Newcastle, and we got our asses kicked in that game. And now we're sitting with six points through four games. We could have had seven had things gone our way against Arsenal, but they didn't. And so now West Ham United... Are in a really good spot and you've got you're feeling really good. What were your thoughts on that match, Liam?
0: Well, I mean, we gotta you know, we gotta start it off with Sufal, right? Like dude, dude gets brought in from uh, uh Slavia Prague, right? Recommendation by Suchek. Kid kid comes in with the most dynamic large eyes, like he's just ready to murder somebody like this dude was ready to rock and roll day one minute one, but he looked super solid on that right-hand side. He had great pace. Uh, just like Suchak kind of seems to ghost his way into certain positions. And then, uh, at one point he was even tracking his man all the way across the box, uh, to get a good block in on the opposite side, like on Cresswell's side. So, uh, I really had, uh, no complaints for him. I thought it was a solid outing. Uh, Antonio, What can you say, man? He's always dangerous. Constantly harries the center backs. That first goal was a thing of beauty. And he keeps Fournelles on side by forcing the center backs to hang back on that second goal. So, like, he's incredibly instrumental for both of those goals. Uh, you know, he had a couple good chances in the second half. He just couldn't put that that brace away. Uh, I know Fournales is not your man. Uh, and I'll be honest, like, up until the Wolves game, he was not my man either. But you got to admit, dude, that second goal, like, that was next level, man. That first touch as it comes down. Like, first off, Cresswell just sends it into the sky. Like, like as though he doesn't even know. He's just trying to clear the ball, it seems. But he just hits it, and then you can tell he's looking to see where it lands. And Fornell's, man, just that first touch, and you hear somebody scream from the side, to like, put it away or put it in. And I'd love it. And, you know, he tucks it in, and he just looks so freaking happy. Um, and I got to be honest, man, that tackle that he puts on Vardy uh, was super reckless but uh, and was deserving of the yellow card, but it was delightful to see Vardy just completely knocked to his feet after he had put a shit tackle in on Sufal. Uh, Bowen with that third goal, um, excellent chance in the first half, just takes an unlucky deflection. Um, not, a went, not a lot went through his side uh, in the second half because I think they were kind of trying to avoid Sioux when they realized like they weren't going to be able to put past him. So it looked like they were trying to play more on their right hand side, our left hand side. Um, and then really anytime Bowen got on the ball, there was like two to three men. On him, So, you know, there were definitely some dirty kicks, some pushes. You could see that Bowen was starting to get frustrated. So I was really glad that he was able to put that third goal away. And really that put the game uh, to bed. Uh, but I really got to give a shout, man, for Cresswell. Between the Wolves game and this Leicester City game, Cressy's been next level, man. Like this is the, like I think we talked about this at the Wolves uh, recap as well. Like he looks like 2013-2014. Aaron Cresswell to me like he looks like he's a man possessed like he's he's in a position he's set up to succeed uh and it's really been uh it's, it's been fantastic to see them gel uh between him Ogbana, and now Belbuena Buena in that back line
1: and I, I I gotta give you I gotta be honest you know my, my thing is of course West Ham sign a player and he's immediately chucked out there on the pitch in Sioux and in my head, it's always been a frustration of mine that we just, we buy these guys and we have these immediate expectations that they come in and change the team. Well, what's interesting about this situation is, and I I was on another show and I had to give my starting 11 uh, since I've been a West Ham fan. And so one thing that I noticed is we have not had a right back of note <laughs> um, other than Zabaleta for a long time. And this Sufal guy comes in, and in one game, in one game, Liam, we go, oh, that's what a team can look like with a competent right back. And Mm. you you don't realize how much that position has been hurting us. Well, it's been a constant revolving door of players in that position, and we haven't been able to find anybody. And then we go out, we buy Sufal for a reasonable price at, And and the other thing is there's something to say when you listen to your players and you listen to a guy like Thomas Suchek, who is the first player that we're going to have, that's truly going to give us. And I think he's going to end up being better, but he's everything Kuyate was. And I loved Kuyate. And so he's everything Kuyate was, and then you're bringing in his countrymen. So you're making him happier. Now they, there's two guys that play internationally together. So they're automatically going to have a chemistry and it, Sufal looked really good. Like I, he, I can't say that he didn't. And I know, I know that I am pessimistic. Okay, <laughs> you listen to the show. I am clearly the voice of pessimism. But yeah, I got to admit, I'm really wondering right now, Liam, if David Moyes, if we really break it down, and you can shit on the board all you want, and they deserve it. But they are truly, it looks like they are listening to Moyes. He has been begging for a right back. We got Sufal. fall. Um, we're going to get into this later, but we needed center back cover. He's brought in another center back.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and there's some possibilities of some things that could happen tomorrow. Obviously recording the show on a Thursday, it'll be put out on Friday. So if we're wrong on a bunch of shit, just let us know, you know, we're, we're fine <laughs> with it. We're, we're wrong all the time, but it's interesting, the moves that we're making, granted, they're not sexy. They're not sexy moves. Liam. Right. They don't get the blood pumping. They don't make, you know, excited. Nobody goes, oh, you guys signed Su Fall. Holy shit, let's buy his kit. Most people went, who the fuck is Su Fall? Yeah. <laughs> like, and so we're not making a lot of sexy signings, but- there's a very famous line from a great American hockey coach named Herb Brooks coached the United States men's hockey team in 1980 at Lake Placid. And he was asked one time because some of the choices he made on that team and they were a gold men and winning team. Remember they beat the USSR huge right. deal for Americans. This
0: is the miracle. Yeah.
1: And he said, I go, why are you bringing that guys? He goes, I don't need the best players. I need the right ones. And I'm starting to wonder. Yeah if this is the situation that's happening with West Ham United right now, we don't have the best players, but we might have the right ones for the way that, that David Moyes actually wants this team to go. And it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you though, right now, I don't know if anybody's playing better at West Ham United than Angel Helog and Mikel Antonio. Yeah. And I mean, those two guys, you said it yourself Mikel Antonio scored one goal. It might as well have been two because without him, the second one doesn't count. Yep. You know, it's just, I mean, I got to ask you with all the bullshit that Mikel Antonio kind of put us through, like he started off at West Ham. Amazing. We we're playing him at fucking right back of all places. <laughs> now he is our star spangled striker. Um, and and you're looking at him and there was that middle period where he was kind of being, You know, he was feeling himself. Let's just say that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And now he looks like he's bought in and he's coming out saying, and now he's fighting for the badge. He puts in a shift. Like, is it weird to you to say that of all the striking issues that West Ham United have had, the two best strikers we've had over the past 10 years have been, a converted left winger and a converted right back and (laughs) Marco Analtovich and Mikhail Antonio. Like, I think it's just such an interesting situation right now for West Ham.
0: Well, but I think that's what makes the team so interesting, right? Is that when you look at our track record, it's like 30 some odd strikers that have been brought in, in the last 10 years during, you know, the, the GSB, reign of terror. And I think that that's that's in completely indicative I like I, you could tell you like that one. but you, it's, it's completely indicative of the type of player that we that we end up picking up, right where we we'll pick up somebody that probably hasn't been fully tested or fully developed and then we just need to have the right you know manager, to to figure out where these guys are going to fit in. I mean, we tried running a back 4 with Cresswell as an overlapping left back for how many years now and it just hadn't been successful. All of a sudden you plug him back into a back 3, which we did with Slavin Bilic. It was the first year that that Bilic was in charge. I mean, we finished what? 7th and we were we if I remember correctly, we were playing with that back 3. And I think that that's where the best managers and you know like you said with the hockey reference, right where it's not about having the best, it's about having the right players and I think with Alaire like yeah, he's the big 45 million pound striker and you know and it sounds good on paper, but I'd rather take this guy from Nottingham Forest <laughs> that we brought in as a, as a, as a right back that can just muscle his way uh you, you know to put the ball in the back of the net look re- remember the away game last season first one at new White Hart Lane. You know what I mean? Where uh, Arnautovic crosses the ball in, you know, and he's wide right at that point, and he, you know, he's being played as a striker, but he's wide right. Antonio's tearing through the middle, you know, he lobs that ball in. Antonio muscles his man and then just toe pokes it past the keeper. I mean, it's it's a it's a, it's not a beautiful goal, but it's. A West Ham goal. And I love that. And I think that Antonio embodies what it is to be West Ham. And I think Ogbana does as well. And when you really think about having that spine, right? When you think of Antonio at the top, Suchek and Rice in the middle, and then Ogbana centering that back three. We've always talked about needing to have a spine that will, will not break. They will bend, but they will not break. And I think we finally have that.
1: I yeah, I think I think I have to I, I think I have to eat a little crow on on this is I am not a Moyes fan and it's going to be, there's going to be a a lot has to happen for me to stop shitting on him. I'm I'm going to be (laughs) honest. All right. But one thing I've I've got to tell you is I think we have found the, with the current construction of players that we have, we have found our formation. Yeah. We have played so much better with this back three against, and let's be honest, Wolves have one of the best attacking uh, forces that they can throw at you in the premier league. So to shut them down to no goals and dominate the way we did, and then an informed Leicester team who has one of the most dangerous strikers in the Premier League and Jamie Vardy, on any day, Vardy can go off for two or three goals. We all yeah. know that. Um, yes, he he can be streaky and he can disappear, but Vardy's always going to cause a problem. And so when I look at the situation. I think we have found our formation. I'm not ready to say we found our right back. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not. But this Sioux Fall guy is the first true right back we've had in a long time. And so what? what when you look at the promise of what we have, I don't know how you can't be hopeful. After that Newcastle game, we were all going, man, this is going to be rough. Get ready. Yeah. Like there's going to be a rough season. And now at this moment, everything is starting to feel different. And I'm not, I'm look, I am not trying to fall into the trap of being like, we're going to be in Europe next year. You know, I'm not trying to do that, <laughs> but I, but I am saying that this team is shaping up to be a lot better than I think a lot of people expected, especially with the constraints of the transfer budget that we had, which we'll get into that later as well with the fact that we have a manager that I would honestly say only 30% of West Ham United fans really like maybe even less than that. He oh, was yeah. never, he was never our choice. Um And we're doing this under a board that I would say 90% of West Ham fans want gone. Yeah. And so it's this, and we're playing in a stadium that is not our sacred home. You know, we feel like, I think most West End fans will tell you that they would bite your hand off right now if they could go back to the bowl in. But despite all that, seven goals in two games, none conceded, a manager that got COVID, two players that got COVID, and you win those games. And it's very interesting because now we're looking at a, at a possibility going into a game against Tottenham, who I would have said three weeks ago, we'd have been, well, we'd be lucky to get out of there with a 2-0 loss. Yeah, and now yeah. I think that expectation is that we're good enough to go in there and get something out of the game. Right. And it's it's a very interesting thing. And there's players playing on that pitch that I, I don't know if a lot of people believe in. There's clearly one on the pitch that I still don't believe in And in the last two weeks. You could argue he's been one of the best players. And that's Pablo Fornell's, the Pirate, Jack Sparrow's son. Okay. That's what every time I see him, I think, I think Jack Sparrow, I feel like he's, he's just, I feel like he's at the supermarket lost looking for rum for his father. That's what I feel like every time I see him. So I think this begs the the question I got to ask you. And Liam, you've always been the voice of reason on the show. You've always been the reason people tune in. Uh, you've always been the reason um, that I you know, can even have a conversation because you educate me. So this is a moment I, <laughs> I, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to take my lumps here if I'm wrong, because I'm, I'm going to defend myself, but I want to hear what you think. Am I wrong on Pablo Fornals? Like, he is clearly in David Moyes' plans. Clearly. Yeah. Because he doesn't keep getting starts and making the stupid-ass mistakes I see him continually make and keep getting those starts. And now he's starting to produce. So my question is, am I wrong on Pablo Fornals, Liam?
0: Yeah, I'd say I'd say you're you're wrong because I think you were putting too much pressure on the kid, uh, especially with him still being relatively new to the squad. Because think about it, like you know, uh, the kid showed well, right? We all saw the the Spanish like U21s or U23 highlights. Um, and, you know, he looked good kind of like with Benarama, right? Where, you know, there's the highlight reel always makes everybody look good. I think initially when he was brought in, I don't ever think he was put in a position where he would be successful. Uh, and I think he was used to being more of like a, either like a number 10, like a playmaker center mid, or even like a number eight, where it was more of that box to box midfielder. And now that he's been shuffled out to, you know, that left-hand side, I think initially he would probably still fail. And I think that's where he's still trying to get used to what he's doing there. Um, But now having Masuaku as sort of that overlap that really becomes the left winger, it allows Fornells to tuck inside a little bit more. And especially when you think about that third goal, he's actually more central while Antonio's actually dipped out to the uh, to the left hand side, and then now's being that number ten playmaker at that point plays the through ball perfectly weighted, perfect pass for Jared Bowen to be able to tuck away. So when you think about putting him in a position to succeed, which you know whether you love Moyes or hate Moyes, you have to under you have to agree with these last two games even being removed from the pitch, he was able to get these guys set up to succeed. And I know, obviously, Alan Irvine, um, Stuart Pierce, you know, uh, Kevin Nolan, like they've all done a fantastic job keeping these guys in order. And I think to some degree having Moyes not on the pitch probably alleviated some of the stress because he, you know, according to um, uh, what's his name or goalkeeper. Tim, U.S. Tim, Tim Howard. There you go. Tim Howard. According to Tim Howard, um Sometimes playing for Moyes, he can be a little bit of a, a, a stress inducer when he's on the the the, the uh, technical area box. So I think it, w- it I think somebody like Fernales, who's younger, that probably feeds off the energy of the people around him. He was uniquely suited to succeed in these games. I mean, look at the chemistry he has with Bowen. Like either one of them scores, the other one is the first one to give him a hug. Like they're they're just definitely a little dynamic duo there, which I think is important to have that attacking chemistry between him, uh, Antonio and Bowen. So uh, I'd say that you're wrong based on what I've seen in these last two games, but is it sustainable? And I think that is always going to be the question that in some regards is going to bite us in the ass because we could say even for Bowen, right? Showed really well when he first got brought in back in January and then he kind of had a couple games where it really didn't seem like he could get his feet under him and really get going. Now it seems like he's kind of found his footing. Maybe that's the same thing for same thing Fornals, or maybe not.
1: All right. All right. I hear what you're saying. I guess this is what I'm going to tell you. Pablo Fornals is a lot of promise. He's, he's what a lot of West Ham players that I've seen come in um, are. And this is where my issue comes in with him. I want guys to play within themselves. And sometimes I feel like Pablo Fornals plays outside himself. He thinks he's better than he is. He tries passes. You shouldn't try. And we waste possession. Yeah. All right. And that's where my problem comes in. I, I, maybe I, I just want to see West Ham United. I feel like when we give the ball away, this is what I, I told a friend. When West Ham make a mistake, it's a goal for the other team. When the other team makes a mistake, we sky it over the bar. Right. And so I want to limit our mistakes. And I feel like for now, sometimes puts us into more mistakes than I care to be in. Now, yes, I am being 100% um, a little bit pessimistic when it comes to him. Okay. I still question if Lanzini is the better player in that role. I still believe that. Here's my, here's what I'm going to have to start understanding though. Fournells has gotten better every single week he's been in the lineup. Every single week, he's starting to make the hustle plays, and when you start to make the hustle plays, then everything else is going to start coming. All you mean, it's kind of like you just need a little bit of luck, and then you find your your little niche. That might be happening with him right now, but the one thing I'm really starting to notice is that when you get a David Moyes type player on a David Moyes team and a David Moyes formation okay, maybe he's not wrong. Maybe he does win when he gets his way. Because at Everton, for a long time, it was whatever David Moyes said. I mean, it was an act of God to go against David Moyes at Everton. And then when you leave Everton and you go over to Manchester United and they don't really want you, the only reason you're there is because you had the respect of arguably the greatest English, Premier League English manager of all time, and Sir Alex Ferguson, you're never going to get the backing. I don't think he got to bring in his guys. And then when Moyes leaves ever I mean, Manchester United, he has that stigma of the guy that had to follow a legend. Yeah. And now he's back at West Ham for the second stint, which I don't agree with. And I'm not, but I'm trying to make sense of what this could be. Liam. Um, it looks like the board as shitty as they've been. It looks like they are backing him. Because we got our right back in Sioux Fall. We have center back cover now. We just brought in Craig Dawson from Watford for a very cheap cost of $4 million. I think those two players we just talked, I think they were less than $10 million. Right. Um, which is, right now, Sioux Fall looks like a bargain after one game. Craig Dawson is a proven Premier League defender. I don't think there's any expectation he starts. But, you know, you're kind no. of looking at that. And David Moyes is choosing four nows every single time. Okay. You're winning two games in a row against two. uh, Let's be honest. I would, I would think that Leicester and wolves are both top eight teams. They're both top eight teams in the premier league. And we just ran them off the pitch. So I'm going to eat a little crow, Liam, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the credit and say, yeah, I probably have to own a little bit, but I want to ask you this before we move out of this. And I want your, Pure honest opinion here. Do you think we would be better with with Lanzini and Fornals' role, or do you think that Lanzini's time as a dangerous player at West Ham has come and gone, and this new kid Pablo Fornals, the son of Jack Sparrow, who's looking for rum in the supermarket aisle and keeps asking everybody where it is, is the future?
0: So I'm gonna break your heart here, uh, and I I do think it's the uh, the latter because I do I do feel like Lanzini's time has has run its course, and I'm gonna pull something from what you used to say uh, last season, right in the the first season of our podcast. Uh, you used to say that Lanzini was playing chess while everyone else was playing checkers. I think Fornals is playing checkers, so he's actually on the same page as the rest of the team. <laughs> so like, yeah. I would prefer a team that's playing chess, right? Like I would prefer that team like back in the early two thousands, you know, uh, uh, Paulo Dicanio, right? Julian Dix. Like these are the type of players that when I became a West Ham fan, like these were the marquees, right? And they weren't your big uh, your big money players, but they were players that got it done. They were ones that worked hard, that fought for the ball, put it in the back of the net. And I think that that's a big, I think that's a big thing for for West Ham supporters is that, you know, we always talk about the West Ham way, right? And we would like to play attractive attacking football. We want people that are going to fight for the badge, people that have that respect. And I, it, I'm i not saying that I don't think Lanzini has that. I, Because I do think he likes being a West Ham player. Otherwise, I don't think he'd still be here. He would have turned in, you know, a transfer request ages ago. But I think that it's almost gotten to the point where he feels he needs to prove not just to other people, but to himself, that he can still do it. And he's not being given the opportunity to do so. And I think at this point, given the lineup that we have, given the fact that this is David Moyes, I don't think he looks at uh, Manuel Lanzini as a Moyes player. Because although Lanzini has the technical talent, he doesn't have the work rate that Moyes likes to see in his players. He likes a Bowen, and Antonio, a Pablo Fornells. people that are going to run themselves into the ground trying to get the job done. But you look at your Felipe Andersons. You look at even, you know, Andre Yarmolenko, who does not track back. And if he does track back, he's caught way out of position and he does not have the pace to be able to get forward again. Manuel Lanzini is kind of that same player, man. He just does not have the pace to be able to run ragged the way that some of these other guys do. So although I would love to have Lanzini in that starting lineup, I think based on this formation and based on the way that Moyes likes to play this counterattacking football, I think uh, Lanzini's time is done. What about you, Tex?
1: No! God, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hate – oh, God, you're so right. It's so tough for me right now to <laughs> not – like, I just want to fire off. But, like, you're right. Like, Liam, you are 100% right because here's the thing. And you used your words against me, and I literally had an epiphany on air right now. <laughs> if – if you're playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers, well, you don't fit in. So let's just play checkers, right? Like let's <laughs> yeah. go be the best checkers players ever. I, I guess this is what I'll say. When you play checkers on the on the soccer pitch, which you know I'm going to call it tic tac toe football, like when you're doing kind of that situation and you're simplifying the game, I think your ceiling is a lot lower. And so when I think it's lower, I think that you can be successful. You can beat teams that you should beat. But when you get up against a team like a Man City, a Manchester United, anybody in the big six, you know, Liverpool, you have to be able to play chess with them. And that's where I feel that Emmanuel Lanzini is a better asset on the pitch than anybody else. Maybe you pick and choose your spots when to play him, but you're 100% right. And David Moyes has made it very clear, and we have to admit, when Moyes got the job, we were all talking about wanting to play two up front, two up front, two up front. That's what you heard. We want yep. two strikers. We want two strikers. Moyes, and this is where I know Moyes is smarter than I, I. I don't think I'm a smarter. Yeah, I do. I think I'm a smarter manager than him. I'm gonna admit that. But um, uh, this is where I, I'm gonna give Moyes credit, though. Okay, David Moyes, the whole he's been saying the same thing the whole time. He kept talking about. Well, we have to fix the back. We're conceding too many goals. We're conceding too many goals. Ever since Slavin Bilic, we've conceded way too many goals. We brought in Pellegrini. Pellegrini did not put any emphasis on the back, and we still continue to concede goals, giving up four or five goals in games against the Big Six. You can't do that. Moy's his whole premise has been: we have to fix the back, and we'll build the team from the back up, and so. Now we're defending better. And because we're defending better, now we can win a game 1-0, 2-1. We can do those things because we're defending better. So I'll give Moyes credit that he's, he's putting in guys that, like you said, will track back to help defending and limit opportunities. Because if you remember those games, we conceded four or five goals. It was almost just like shooting practice for those teams because there was <laughs> acres of space. They could literally, add all the time they had on the ball, they could do a little dance and then shoot it into the corner, and poor Fabianski, who's a very good goalie, is just standing there lost. So, yeah, I, I got to I gotta admit, you're right. At this moment, Fornals fits in better with what Moyes wants to do than Lanzini does. Although, it's really tough for me to think that Pablo Fornals is a better player than uh, Lanzini. It's just tough. Manuel Lanzini is a guy... That, you know, I, I have his shirt. I love the guy. I would love anything for him to get back out there. But the fact remains, um, Lanzini is not playing the game that David Moyes wants him to play. Therefore, that's why he doesn't get the minutes that I think he desires. Okay. Yeah. Looking at that and talking about changing this team from the back and getting guys that are quote unquote playing checkers. We're going to look at the transfers right now. Um, right now at this moment, in this transfer window, West Ham United have brought in Sufal, a pure right back, um, who plays for the Czech national team, countrymen with Thomas Suchek, which is massive, that we got two players. And there's already videos servicing that West Ham are releasing of those two guys is having fun and training, kind of having banter I back and it. forth. Exactly. You bring in you, you gotta keep your players happy. I think Suchek probably feels incredibly valued that he suggested his countrymen. The club listened and brought him in. So Suchek is probably like, I'm gonna be an East Londoner for life now because these guys love me, which let's be honest, we're we're very lucky to get Suchek. That was a gem. <laughs> it was an absolute yeah. gem that we found. Um, West Ham have just completed another transfer. They've brought in Craig Dawson. Um, he is a premier league veteran. He's played for West Brom. He's played for Watford. Um, he is a very serviceable center back. I want to make it clear. I do not think that he has been brought in whatsoever to start. I think he's been brought in to challenge a guy like Issa Diop to play to his level. Um, we all know Agbana is going to start, but Issa Diop, um, now you have a challenger in Craig Dawson. So when you're back, if you, fuck up in any way, shape, or form, Craig Dawson's going to take your spot. Um, and that's just that's just my opinion, especially if you're going to play a back three, you need another center back in order to provide more cover. So now when you look at the center backs that we have, we've got Ogbonna, who's our clear-cut leader back there. you got Issa Diop, Craig Dawson, Balbuena, and now you can throw in Aaron Cresswell as part of that, and in a pinch, you can put Declan back there. You know, um, I don't think you want to put Declan back there, but you can. So now we look like we have a uh, we have some good depth back there at the center back, even with running that back three. And so I kind of like that move Um, before we move into the other transfers. How do you feel about the Craig Dawson um, acquisition?
0: I mean I'm neither here nor there with it like it was not a it was not a center back signing that that thrilled me but you also have to keep in mind man like we were pretty much linked to every fucking center back in the- in the Premier League in the Championship in League 1 like it was it was insanity man like Carletta Carr right was in for a move to us but then spoke to Sullivan and decided to stay where he was tomorrow Tomori had a loan deal on the table that from Chelsea that would have included a payment of $50,000 Sorry, 50,000 pounds anytime he didn't play, which would have forced Moyes to have to play him over better players or players that would work better in our system. And then, you know, you add in Ta, Fofana, Tarkowski. I mean, and these are just some of the defenders that we were linked with that each one of them chose to not come to West Ham. Even when we met the price that the club was asking for, these guys all said, no, I'd rather stay where I am. Like, that's insanity to me that you have all of these center backs across the league that do not want to make a move to your club. And let's be honest, it's not because of Moyes. They don't want to come no, to the club no, because of the board. And to me, like, that, that is crazy. And then you look at somebody like Craig Dawson, right? I mean, he's not, he's not lighting up any scoreboards, right? Like, he's not the kind of center back where everybody's foaming at the mouth for him. Is he a hard worker? Does he want to come to West Ham? Is he gonna, you know, uh, put his head down, do the work, challenge these guys for a starting position? Perfect. That's all I need him to do. I don't. I'm. I'm good with our center backs right now, our starting center backs. But yeah, if one of them goes down or we go for a deep run in the FA Cup, like yeah, I'm gonna need, you know, uh, Craig Dawson to step up because we're gonna need him for especially while we're playing some of those lower league teams.
1: I, I I think you hit the nail on the head. Craig Dawson's not. Part of, part of my problem with the center back search that we had is you're going to try and get player, like you have Issa Diop and Angel Ogbana. Diop has got a mistake in him, but he's young. I mean, what's the kid, 22, yeah. 23 years old? He's young. So we have to understand that that player is not even close to his prime. And when he's on... He's the best center back on our team. His ceiling is higher than Agbana's. Agbana is, I mean, he's the elder statesman now on this team. He's, he's just consistent and yes, he has a mistake in him and yes, he can fall asleep back there, but it happens once every three or four games. Yeah, I can live with that. You know, I can live with that. I don't think Agbana is ever going to be looked at as a Virgil van Dijk. He offers something going forward. Um, he does a great job in leading the line back there and making sure that everybody's organized. He's more of a quiet leader, and I respect that. But you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna point out the guy from Burnley, uh, Tarskowski or Tara, Tar- whatever, the, <laughs> whatever the fuck your name is, bro. Like you didn't want to come. I'm not gonna pronounce your name right. So the the point is, with a guy like that, that's a guy who's a starter for them um, on a pretty regular basis, and in I kind of look at that situation and I'm like, first off, why would you want to bring in that high of a caliber guy? Who's going to have the expectation to play when, in my opinion, we have two center backs that are ultimately going to, they are, they're higher ceiling and better than he is. Yeah. So all you needed is cover. That's, that's the whole point. We just need to cover. Craig Dawson is a great cover center back. He's not coming in with a, to look to start, but he can put in a shift You can give him all the cup games. He can have all of those. And you can let Issa Diop continue to work and give Ogbana those cup games off and Craig Dawson can play there. So to me, they shouldn't be putting a ton of money in the back line. They should be going to get cover for what they already believe in. Unless you're going to go get a Virgil van Dyke, I don't really know – if there's a center back that we've been linked with that would have come in and immediately transformed the defense, no, I just don't. And so I I really like the Dawson signing on the sense of it's exactly what I wanted them to do there because what gets people out of their seats in a game? A defender heading a ball away? No, right. It is a tricky player that can make some moves, that can score a goal that you know can make a run those are the guys that get people out of their seat and speaking of that there is an algerian winger i'm gonna and then i'm gonna get into my my issue with this signing as well if it is a signing um by the name of benarama saeed benarama or ben harama or whatever we want to say <laughs> it honestly when i when i hear the name ben harama we have a place here in america called Benihana. <laughs> um, you know, Benny Hanna is, so every time I hear his name, I start craving, um, teppanyaki food. Nice. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Um, so when you kind of look at this situation, we've been told we have no money. Um, this transfer looks like it's all but done. Um, apparently he's in London right now doing a medical,
0: a two day um, medical because, yeah. you know, after Andy Carroll and <laughs> everybody else, <laughs> we we've learned we've learned our lesson. So.
1: Yeah. So when you look at this situation, it's been an up and down Uh, just literally 24 hours ago. They were saying the transfer was going to fall through and he was heading somewhere else. And now he's back and it looks like he's coming. Uh, So tell me, what do you think? Obviously, you and I, we spoke in our pre-production meeting. We've watched some highlights of this guy. So I'm I'm gonna ask you right now, what do you feel about this signing? Because it's a very interesting thing when we've been told we have no money and now we're shelling out thirty million dollars for this goal scorer out of Brentford, who granted has scored 17 goals. It's an impressive number. Right. Um you, you watch some of his highlights and you go, damn, you know, he, he's got some skill. I'm just gonna say we do have to remind ourselves it is a highlight video. So you don't get to see, you don't get to see everything. You see the things they want you to see. So what do you feel about this signing from this Algerian wiener Saeed um, Ben Harama?
0: So okay. I'm I'll have to rewind the the tapes a little bit here, but I'm pretty sure we had a winger at the start of this season that would have slotted in real nice on that left-hand side. Oh, that's right. Grady Dean Ghana. And then we fucking sold him like a pack of wild idiots. Like, here's the thing. I'm not saying that Benarama won't be a good addition to the squad. I mean, I think he brings that flashiness that Lanzini had a couple years ago. I think Anderson had the first season that he was with us. So I, I do think he brings an element that maybe we don't have on the pitch otherwise, other than, you know, Arthur Masawaku. Because let's be honest, that dude can dribble through three defenders like, you know, he's putting a knife through water. Like, it's it's nuts some of the talent that Masawaku has. But then at that point, do you really need a player like Saeed Benarama to duplicate what Masuaka was already providing on that same side. And, you know, Bowen's not, probably not as flashy, but he does have some decent pace over on the right-hand side. So it's not as though this guy's going to really challenge Bowen. So his main challenge is going to be Pablo Fornals, who is hitting his stride. And do you really want to put that kind of pressure on a kid? But to be fair, like, that's part of the game, right? You have to have backup. The people on the bench should constantly be cha- challenging for that starting lineup position. I personally just think that 25 million pounds or 30 million pounds, whatever it is that we're we're going to pay for him, I think, I think it's money that could have been spent elsewhere, or we could have just maintained some of the players that we had sold off that we probably didn't need to. And let's keep in mind, Craig Dawson and Saeed Benarama both have Will Salthouse as their agent, and we already know that Sullivan will you know, dig graves to be able to try to drive through a Will Salthouse player because for whatever reason, like, that's his talent scout apparently. And we knew that Josh King was Moyes' guy, right? There were multiple sources saying that Josh King was number one on the list, but it looks like Sullivan was the one that was pushing through Benarama. And I don't know what the reasoning is other than the agent. That's the only reason I can think why he's pushing this car- this person. When we already talked about it, it looks like the board is backing Moyes, to a point I think there's always going to be that one point where Sullivan has to you know let his balls drop he's got got to try to show that he's still the man in charge and he's going to force his player
1: okay you bring up some very good points and this is one of the rare occurrences I think we're on the same page here (laughs) so I don't understand buying a winger when you told everybody we have too many wingers and that's why you sold Grady D in Ghana Um, and now I look at it and I know that we're now thin at winger because we don't no longer have Dean Ghana. Um, Philippe Anderson is now out on loan. yeah, so we're an injury away from not having any depth at winger right now you're looking at Fornells Lanzini can play there technically, you can throw Antonio out there, but he's not he's his effectiveness kind of goes away when he's in the winging position. Um, he can get down the side, don't get me wrong, but as far as putting in a good ball, he's never been known for his crosses. Right. So I don't understand why you bring him in. My my first thought is Grady Diangana is a younger player. Um, he's probably a faster player. Um, he's very dangerous. He, he has been killing it for West Brom. Obviously, West Brom valued him so much they went out and got him. So this is my thing. Ben Harama, if you're going to go spend that kind of money, he has to feature and where does he feature? Because right now I, we said it earlier. I think we found our formation. So who are you pulling out? And here's the thing I want to point at. We talked about this in pre-production. When I heard the name Josh King come across, this is what I thought. That is a pure Moyes. Guy, he works hard, it's not pretty, it's ugly, he gets hustle goals all the time, and he just outworks people. Yeah, okay. I don't I think when you look at Mikael Antonio, he's Josh King is a very good backup for Mikael Antonio, probably better than Alaire. Probably. Yeah. Yep. So when I try to rationalize why Ben Arama's getting pushed through and not Josh King. Only reason I can say is because I don't know if they're ready to give up on Alaire. And maybe it's because they couldn't sell him. Yeah. Maybe it's because I think if they would have sold Alaire, I think you would be getting Josh King and Ben Harama both. Right. But what I what I honestly look at and I say is the only reason Ben is coming is because I guarantee you Sullivan's going, I'm not going to buy another center forward when we've already got two center forwards that are very prominent and we need another winger now because of what we've done um, in the transfer market. So that's why I think that's happening. My question is with Ben Harama is, is he a Moyes guy? If Moyes likes him and is going to play him, then I'm fine with the move. But if this guy comes in and Moyes doesn't play him and he sits, now you have two incredibly talented players and Lanzini and Ben Arama sitting on the bench. Right and i that to me is just a it's a waste, and i don't we don't need to be buying luxury players right now, we're just not in that position, no you
0: know and, and I think and, that the the difficulty of this too is like it's not just the wing winger position, it's midfield in general, like we terminated the contract by mutual consent with jack Wilshire right we all we're fine with that because Jackie Boy really hadn't been featuring anyways. Like you said before, Anderson, you know, is off to Porto on loan. Josh Cullen gets sold to Anderlecht. And then Zonda, Zonda Silva uh, is out on loan to Aris Thessaloniki FC over in, like, the Greek League. So it's it's kind of like you see, you see that our depth is disappearing and we're bringing in a player that, you know, although he looks great in the highlight reel, as you and I both said, I don't see how he factors into Moy's system. Just like Lanzini, this guy does not factor, and it's a very expensive pl- luxury player, as you said, to be have sitting on the bench.
1: And I and look, I want to make it clear. I hope we're wrong. I do, <laughs> but I I will I will say this. I'm actually, believe it or not, I'm okay with what we've done to this moment. And Benarama is not our player right now. I want to make that clear. I'm okay with what we've done in the transfer market. I really, truly am. I, I like Sioux Fall. I think Craig Dawson is the right move. You don't overpay for a center back when you have two center backs that um, probably are going to be the ones you feature 80% of the time. Right. So when I kind of look at what we've done and what we have, I'm okay with it. I don't think we win the league or get into the get into Europe with this but I'm okay with it. Right. And I think that if Moyes is proves that you give me my guys, I can start getting you results on the pitch. Then I think we'll start to see more investment in what he wants. Cause I think ultimately what Moyes needs to be successful is he needs full control. And I think for him to get full control, he's got to get a little support. He's got to give results with that little support that he got. And then you earn a little more and then you earn a little more. And before you know it, Our board backs off, and it's the David Moyes fighting West Ham United Hammers.
0: Well, and think think about previously, right? When his first stint with West Ham, it was those last six months, he really wasn't given a transfer window. He pretty much just had to make do with the players that he had. This time, he actually gets to do that. Like, yeah, he had some control in January, but for the most part, those were selections that Sullivan already had Uh, you know, pinged on the table and boys just had to be there to help see them through this time. He actually got a transfer window. And as you said, these were, these were good picks for what we needed, Like they are not the superstar flashy picks. And I'm, uh, I'm still pissed that we wait so late to make these moves when we, you know, other, other teams were making moves like day one of the transfer window. Why is it that we always wait until the absolute end of it, which is exactly what we did with Suchek and Bowen back in January. We waited until like the 11th hour to get this kind of shit done. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really hoping that these guys do uh, plan out. They strengthen the squad. I mean, for you, Tex, are you happy with us ending somewhere between like, let's say 10 and 13?
1: Fuck no. No, no, I, I'm never going to be happy with not winning. I need to make that very clear. I'm never going to be happy with not winning. I, I still stand by this and call me fucking crazy. I don't care. I think we have a team good enough to finish inside the top six. I just, mm-hmm. I just think I look at the talent that we have and I think, and I look at it against the other teams And I think there's four or five teams that we can't compete with. But I'm telling you right now, I think we have a better team that we can put on the pitch than Tottenham. I really do. I firmly believe that. I don't think we put a better team than, you know, Man United. I don't think we put a better team out than Man City. I don't think we put a better team out than Liverpool or Chelsea. But I do think we're better than Tottenham. Yeah. And I believe that. Um, I think Everton is going to be a team that when we, I think to me, Everton is is playing the way that I think our team can play. And when we get out on the pitch against Everton, that's the game that I'm circling on my calendar because that's going to be the litmus test for what we are. Because I think Everton have a top five side. I think that they have done great, great business. They've brought in great players. They have a phenomenal manager, um, in Ancelotti, and but. I'm going to tell you right now, I want to beat those guys. Um, I want to be in Europe. I want West Ham United to be a team that people don't want to play. And so when you ask me, am I going to be happy with 10 to 13th? Fuck no, I'm not going to be happy with that at all. That's like asking me, I'm going to be dating a fat girl. No, never going to be happy with that. <laughs> I'm going to be disappointed in myself and the decisions I've made. Um, so bringing, bringing up that question, it, it leads me to ask you this. Have our expectations changed on this season? Because obviously, if you look at it going in, we were all pretty worried. And then when we saw the game against Newcastle, I mean, it was almost like fire sale. This is going to be a dumpster fire season. And, you know, dark day. I I think I put out a tweet on the Fresno Irons Twitter that said dark days ahead. Right. You know, and since that tweet, we got out there against Arsenal Probably deserved something out of that game. Made a critical mistake late and ended up losing 2-1. We turn around and we beat the living dog shit out of Wolves when I don't think anybody thought we could win. Right. And then we turned around and beat an informed Leicester team 3-0. And, and in, I mean, you go, they went from winning 5-2 against Man City to losing to us 3-0, which makes you go, damn. I mean, that we beat a team that has arguably one of the most feared strikers all the Premier League, and we shut him down. I mean, I mean, when Angel Bonnie gets home, he takes out his keys, wallet, and Jamie Vardy. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just, you look at that situation and you go, wow, have our expectations changed? And was that Newcastle game just an outlier? What are your thoughts there?
0: No, I, I think the Newcastle game was an outlier, but I don't think our expectations really will change because I think we kind of know what this team is and I'm with you man I'm not happy with 10 to 13th either and I would absolutely love it if all of a sudden that top 6 changes and you see teams like Everton Leicester, Wolves us, like really dominate that top half of the uh, or you know that that, that final you know 6 to to 4 places if you will, you know yeah you're always going to have your Liverpools, your Man Cities that'll still worm their way in there but there's no reason that we can't be part of that group, that we can't be you know, uh, considered, uh, a, a, a team to be feared. You put it that way. Uh, I think very succinctly is that th- th- we should be a team that nobody wants to play just like people were looking at wolves or we were looking at wolves or Lester that way. We should be looked at that way. And I do think that we finally have the player set. And I think we have the formation where people are a little bit more concerned where they go, they, this isn't the West Ham of old where they're prone to just stupid boneheaded mistakes. Like, yeah, maybe one will still get through. Like think of the, the, goal that was pulled back in Leicester, right, where luckily Jamie Vardy was offside, but they did that little tiki taka through the defense and were able to put one in the back of the net. So as long as we can, you know, keep our heads up, we can keep the faith, these guys can keep maintain that same motivation, I absolutely think that we could do big things this season. And maybe that's the optimist in me, but really, I mean, why support the team if you don't think we can win?
1: Oh, you said it. Uh, so I, I have to bring this up. We talked about it. So the one thing with West Ham United, though, when when you're asking about have our expectations change, and this is the wrench I've got to throw into the argument here, West Ham are known for the critical injury. Okay, um, Carlton Cole and our season in the Championship gets hurt for a short amount of time. West Ham have four straight draws. They drop to fourth in the ch- I mean, drop to third in the Championship and have to go into the playoff. Okay. Um, you know, so West Ham have always been known an injury can derail the season. Obviously Dimitri Pyatt, when we had him in the last season at the bowl in he goes down, we didn't win a single game while he was out. So I'm going to ask you this, do West Ham have enough depth to withstand an injury to let's say, I don't know, Mikael Antonio,
0: who is injury prone. (laughs) And I think that that, that is the, the, uh, you know, the $100 million question, right? Look at last season when Fabians- Fabianski went out, right? Roberto was the backup. We all remember Roberto. We, wonder, we all know how wonderfully that experiment went. I, I, I think obviously we have better backups now with uh, Darren Randolph. I, I mean, he's not the same level as Fabianski, but I also don't think that he's anywhere near the level that Roberto is. Uh, so I would say that with somebody like Antonio going out, The issue that we run into isn't just that Antonio goes out, is that we have to change the system because we don't have a like-for-like replacement on the bench for pretty much any position that we have. You put in Issa Diop over Fabio and Balbuena, He's a different type of player. Balbuena brings a different element to that back line than what Issa Diop does. Issa Diop, I think, is better implemented in a back four. Balbuena seems to thrive in a back three. So even at that point, if there's an injury to him, uh, Ogbonna, say there's an injury to Cresswell, you put Ben Johnson in there, Ben Johnson is prone to hang onto the ball for too long and lose it. And especially if he's supposed to be playing a, a left back, Or, or sorry, a left center back, he cannot be losing the ball because that's where the ball goes in the box and that's where we start getting beat in the six yards. So, I really think that it is crucial for our players to stay fit. And I think it's crucial for the people that are on the bench to understand what their role is when they do come into uh, that starting lineup if it is due to an injury. If it's due to just a substitution, which Moyes is very you know, hesitant to make anyways, then yeah, come in, bring your game and be the game changer, like a Yarmolenko, like an Alaire. Play your game when you're brought in as a sub, but if you're brought in as a starter, you have to play the system. You have to play the system that works, that gets us those wins.
1: So I'm going to say this. I, I think we can withstand an injury, even to a guy like Mikel Antonio, even without a like for like replacement. And this is why I'm going to say it. I'm going to give Moyes some credit here, and I may regret it. Okay, I may regret this. You will. (laughs) I, the problem with Slavin Billich wasn't all the poor signings we made. It wasn't the fact that, you know, he kind of forgot how to teach defense. It wasn't that. It was the fact that he never had a plan B. He never had a plan B. He had one way that he wanted to win and it didn't work. Same problem with Manuel Pellegrini. David Moyes for the most part, when he was at Everton could beat you a m- number of different ways. He was a pretty good tactician in getting the most at Everton. Everton never spent the most money, but they would work within the parameters of what they had. So I'm going to give Moyes credit on this. I think of the managers we've had, he is probably the only one that could have a plan B. Now we haven't seen it yet because there's no need for it. But if, if Mikel Antonio goes down, I'm curious to see what he does, because I, I hate saying it. It's not a question of um, if, it's a question of when. Mikel's hamstrings are going to go at some point. He's going to need a break. We're going to lose him for a month. It's going to happen, and we have to accept it. We just hope it happens over an international break so we lose him for two or three games instead of four or five. You know, And so when I look at what he – Means to the team right now. He's probably the most intricate piece, but I honestly do believe that we could withstand an injury. And I think we could withstand it to a prominent player. Because I want to give Moyes credit right now because I think he is a better Premier League manager than Slavin Bilic. He is a better Premier League manager than Manuel Pellegrini. And Pellegrini won the Premier League yeah. with the team. that No team has scored more goals than that team. I, well, I don't know if Liverpool b- beat that. That used to be the record was Pellegrini's Man City team. But I I just got to say, I just think they can do it. I could be wrong. I'm gonna take a. I'm gonna try to be optimistic here, Liam. Which is not me. I feel I'm sweating right now saying it. I'll be honest, but I really do think we can withstand it. And hopefully that injury doesn't happen this weekend because this weekend we have a massive match for all um, Hammer fans. We taken on those North London cunts, Tottenham. <laughs> and yes, I I say that with all venom in my heart and i have no problem this is a podcast we say what the fuck we want match preview time tottenham west ham at new white heart lane it's 8 30 a.m west coast time um i think that means it's eleven thirty a.m for you out there on the east coast so tell me right now looking at this match and supposedly liam it's the debut of tottenham's wonder boy is oh, yeah. back And so we're going to we're going to have to be the team, of course, West Ham United are going to have to be the team that Gareth Bale makes his Tottenham debut against. Um, So tell me right now, uh, how do you feel about this game?
0: So I feel pretty good about it. Um, mostly because it's Spuds, right? And uh, for for me, anytime we go up against Tottenham, I'm always excited to see, you know, how deeply we can shit on, you know, New Scheidhart Lane. But the 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 biggest thing here for for me is that I'm gonna keep the lineup unchanged. You know, I'm uh, uh I, as far as I know, Fredericks is not back from from injury yet, so he's not eligible for selection on that right hand side, anyways. And I don't think. Uh, Sufal did anything in my book to warrant not maintaining that uh, that starting position. So I've still got Fabianski in goal. Uh, that back five is Sufal, Balbuena, Agbana, uh, Cresswell, and Masuaku. You've got Bowen, Suchek, Rice, and Fornals in the midfield, and then Antonio as your lone striker. Obviously, they line up as a five-four-one, but it's more fluid to be a three-four-three. You know, because we do see Balbuena, or sorry, we see Bowen, Antonio, and Fornells pretty much interchangeable in that attack. Um, and so I do think that 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 lineup I would I would probably leave unchanged. And I wanted to touch on something real quick. Um, unfortunately, we have seen Moises' Plan B, and that Plan B lost to Everton four-one in the uh, in the Carabao Cup. So the let's hope that that he has a better Plan B than that Plan B. But for me, all points and purposes, I'm sticking with Plan A because it's a real fucking good Plan A. How about you, man?
1: Oh, man, I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say that was a, that was an outlier. Okay, like the Newcastle <laughs> game. I'm hoping that he's an outlier. Um, when I look at this, when I look at this game, I agree with you on the lineup. I, you don't change a team that's won seven, seven, Neil over two games against two very, very good teams. You don't change anything. There's nothing to change. I I argued to last time we did this to put Lanzini in Fournal's role, but I'm not doing that anymore. I think Fournal's is clearly the hustle player that Moyes wants. Puts in a shift. He gets back. He does all the things that I think David Moyes wants. And I think right now, whether you like Moyes or not, we have to back him. We have to believe in what he's doing because we're starting to see results. So, when I look at this team against Tottenham, um, I, I think you throw the records out the door. We know it's going to be a hard-fought match. We I don't give a shit how good they think they are. Jose Mourinho is a baby. I want to make him cry. I want him to have one of those uh, press conferences after the game. The story of the game was in the 33rd minute when the ref didn't call this foul. Oh, fuck off, dude. <laughs> like, I just, I cannot stand Jose Mourinho. I cannot stand Tottenham Hotspur. Um, granted, Oh, dude, it's just like, I feel like when you go to that part of London, you need to shower at least three times. And yep. so that's just, that's just my issue there. I, I really think that West Ham are in, they're in form. Tottenham is kind of in form. Um, they're kind of been a little up and down, but the one thing that, you know, is Jose Mourinho is going to, he's going to be stiff at the back. And we're gonna have to break him down, and you couldn't ask for a better guy to break him down than Michael Antonio. So, what, what what's your score
0: for this match? Um, I think that we we continue our run of form. Uh, I think that I think that's that Spurs probably do get one past us, right? I think Son has has typically been kind of a thorn in our side. You know, uh, Harry Kane can can fuck all the way off. I I, I if he gets anything, it's a penalty. You know what I mean? Like, if he puts the ball in the back of the net, it's going to be because he takes it from the spot. Uh, Gareth Bale is going to be too busy recovering from playing golf. For all these last couple of weeks, I don't think that—I'm not worried about him as being too much of a threat. I think, like you referenced before, I think Ogbana probably keeps him in his back pocket for the majority of the game. Um, And if it's not Ogbana, it's going to be Rice is going to be more than happy to make sure that Gareth Bale knows exactly what it means to play fucking West Ham United. Uh, So I'm going to go with a 2-0. We keep the clean sheet. Uh, and I'm going to go with uh, my boy Fournals is going to put one uh, in the back. And I think Antonio, man, and I hope he brings back the galloping horse uh, uh, goal celebration, same as last time. So how about you, man?
1: I got the exact same scoreline. I got two 0 And I think we get an early goal again from Mikel Antonio, like within the first 20 minutes. And then we put we put Tottenham on their heels. And I think that is going to be massive And I think that we have figured out because we can boss the midfield. I think I honestly look at what we can put in the midfield and how we can throw, um, you know, I mean, let's be honest. We can get five guys in that midfield at times. I think we can win the midfield game, and I think we have the absolute best person to break up play in Declan Rice. So I think even if they try to get a counter, I think Declan will break up the majority of it. Thomas Suchek, a true box-to-box midfielder. Uh, my two goal scorers, obviously, I think Antonio gets an early one, and I'm going to make this clear. I think Lanzini gets on in the 70th minute, and he puts one in. <laughs> the reason why, he has always done well in London derbies, and I think, I, I just, I believe in the guy. This might be the last time I call his name, but I, I really think he gets in there. Uh, who's your man of the match?
0: Ooh, Oh, man. I, I think for me, it's got to be uh, either if Antonio scores it's Antonio. If he doesn't score, I think it goes to Ogbana because I think he just completely bosses. But let's let's be fair, man. Masuaku is making a case that he has he is absolutely, I mean, he's not in the top of the running, but he's making a case to at least be in the conversation. And that dude, the fact that he left international duty because he took a knock and said, hey, it's too important to play. I have to go back and I have to play for West Ham. I can't be injured for this game. And the fact that he checked himself out of international duty, that's next level, man. Like I get, you know, I, I got to give the dude credit where credit's due. I agree with you hundred percent on
1: Masawaku. I love him, <laughs> yep. Um, but I'm going to tell you right now, man of the match will be Declan Rice. Ooh, Declan Rice so. is going to frustrate Tottenham so much that I, I bet money that Harry Kane, Walks up to the ref. I'm gonna put the over under at six and a half times. Okay. <laughs> I think that Deli Alley is gonna push him. Oh yeah. And I think I think Gareth Bell is gonna look at him constantly and go, Can I get your signature or can we switch shirts after the game? <laughs> like that that's what I'm I'm telling you right now. Did you play I, golf? <laughs> <laughs> I think Declan is 100 gonna get this. Um I, I honestly think the team is gonna play well. I just think Declan's gonna be the guy that we're going to look back and go, he absolutely disrupted everything they tried to do. So that there it is. We both are going for a two Oh win over, um, your goal scores are, you got Pablo Fornals and Michael Antonio. You gotcha. I'm going, I'm going with Antonio and Lanzini. um, And that brings us now to everybody's favorite part of the show, the yellow and red cards. So hit me with your yellow card.
0: So yellow cards, I'm going to actually give these to uh, Liverpool fans. So I don't know if you caught any of the other games that had occurred uh, that same week, but Liverpool got absolutely trounced by Aston Villa. And let's be fair, um, Aston Villa has looked much better this season. I mean, Jack Grealish uh, is, is a man on fire, but... Adrian is in goal, right? Because Allison is is injured for right now and probably out for several weeks. So, what was it? I think it was like six one or six two was the final the final score for that game. And Liverpool fans were tweeting that they were hoping Adrian would die. And I just I cannot understand how that type of vitriol is warranted especially considering that at least three if not four of the goals were deflections so adrian is diving the correct way he has it covered but then it deflects off of fucking virgil van dyke goes in the back of the net there's nothing a keeper can do at that point point. and the fact that liverpool fans don't understand that just shows that they're spoiled pretentious little shits so i have no sympathy at all that they absolutely got beat To hell. And if anything, it had all the inklings of, like, what was it, Watford last season when they dumped 3-0 on him and it was the first loss that Liverpool took all season. So I will be happy to see more of that happen for those little cuntards because it was absolutely got me fuming seeing them talk about a former keeper like Adrian. How about for you, man? Yellow card.
1: I I really can't wait till we play LFC Fresno and (laughs) Fresno Irons and LFC Fresno are in the same bar And I hope you can show up, Liam. Oh, I will have to. I will have to. It's going to be oodles of fun, to quote Hannibal Lecter, oodles of fun. Uh, I'll tell you right now, my yellow card goes to me. I I got to self-reflect. My yellow card goes to me. I've got to stop shitting on Pablo (laughs) Fornells. I have to. Um, I got to calm it down. If he has another performance like he's had the last two games, no matter what I say, I'm saying it right now. I got to stop calling for Lanzini. I got to start buying into this Pablo Fornells, Jack Sparrow's son, looking for rum in the you know supermarket aisle, asking everybody where the hell it is. I I, I got to start believing in him. So I give my yellow card to me. Uh, who's
0: your red card for? Uh, red card is going to go for Sullivan. So Mr. Sullivan, again, uh, Just I think the the way that he handles business, especially when it comes to the transfer market, is incredibly frustrating. And especially knowing that you're a supporter-based already has it in for you and you're constantly doing yourself absolutely no favors you know popping on talk sport and trying to say like oh we're broke we're broke uh, you know it's real hard to do this job and it's like well yes motherfucker but you're the one that wants to have that position so you get to get all the guts all the glory but you also get all the complaints and all of the criticism when things go wrong so I don't want to listen to him won't like moan and will about all this bullshit because at the end of the day this is your fucking job so do it do it right back your man make sure the manager gets the people he needs so your team can be fucking successful because at the end of the day you own a soccer club you own a football club because you want to win you don't want to sit middle of the table or just avoid relegation every year and he seems to be content with that so how about you man red card
1: oh it's very simple goes to David Moyes once again (laughs) All right, and I'm going to tell you why David Moyes I'm giving you the red card just because not because you did anything wrong just stay your ass home (laughs) Okay, stay home Manage from home Don't show up on the sideline Or the touchline Like just don't do it, man Like we are so good when you're not there. I agree that you know what you're doing. I'm giving you credit today. I've been nice. I've, I've said that you have a plan B when Liam reminded me that you may not. So I just want to say, stay home. It's the only reason I'm giving you a red card. Please stay your ass home. Don't put pressure on our guys. Let our guys play loose and play within your system because they do a pretty damn good job when they do. Oh, so yeah. please stay home. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We want to thank you again for listening. Obviously, if you want to get involved in the show at American Hammers Radio, AHR Radio on Twitter, uh, feel free to drop us a line. Tell us how much we suck. We love to hear that. It's always good fun for us because believe us, we know we do. So just understand that we would love to have involvement. If you want to get involved in the show, send us a line. Let us know. Uh, I want to say thank you to Liam. Also, thank you to American Hammers Radio, Tim and Lee, for providing us this platform and the opportunity to talk West Ham, which, believe it or not, that's what we do anyway, so we might as well record it and put it out there. And obviously, something near and dear to the Fresno Irons, which Liam and I are a part of. Um, we'll kind of get into this next week and why we're doing this. But right now, um, if you ever are feeling lost and you're feeling like making a decision that, You know, it's probably a a decision that you haven't talked to anybody about. Um, The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255 here in the United States. Please feel free to give them a call and just realize you are not alone. And if you're listening to this podcast right now, uh, we are here for you. The Fresno Irons, Uh, we consider ourselves a family and would love for you to be a part of it. So once again, do not not hesitate to reach out. If you're listening to this, we're here to listen to you. Uh, So feel free to uh, drop us a line. Let us know what you need. Again, that number is 1-800-273-8255, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. So I want to say thank you very much uh, for listening. Thank you to Liam. Um, And as always, come come on, you irons.